Hello, I'm Rob, and welcome to this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News for the 3rd of May 2023. Hello and welcome to the Black Country Talking News, brought to you by the sight loss charity Beacons. We're pleased to confirm that the Talking News is now available via Alexa. Once you've enabled the Talking Newspapers skill, all you need to do is play Talking Newspapers and ask for the Black Country Talking News. Our Talking News service is also available via the free Wireless for the Blind app. It can be found on the Beacon Centre website www.beaconvision.org forward slash talking dash news. As a podcast via services such as Apple or Spotify or as a free CD, simply contact Beacon Centre on 01902 We hope you enjoy this week's edition. Reading this week, we have myself Rob, Christine, Angela, Liz, Ian, Helen, Mina, Simon, and of course not forgetting, Flashback Roger. In this week's edition we have, Local News for the Black Country, an update from Beacon, including the Lifestyle Newsletter for May, the Quiz of Mina, the latest news from Wolves and West Bromwich Albion, a Did You Know section for Flashback Roger, the Web for the Week Ahead, and with King Charles I's coronation now only a couple of weeks away, we have a feature article sharing information of the event and some special plans for children experiencing sight loss. Local news to start though, and we have a feature from the Electoral Services at Wolverhampton Council, detailing the changes and support that will be available at polling stations for the forthcoming elections this week. Hello, I'm Chris Laywood, Electoral Services Apprentice at the City of Wolverhampton Council. And I'm Laura Doonan, Electoral Services Manager. We're going to tell you about the elections taking place in May and the improvements we are making in polling stations to ensure that people affected by sight loss are aware of the support available to help make your mark on the ballot paper. We will also cover the voting options available to you and the deadline dates to apply for postal and proxy votes. On Thursday the 4th of May 2023, there will be local elections taking place in Wolverhampton, where all 60 councillor seats are up for election, following the local government boundary review. And these elections are also the first elections to be held under the new measures that have been brought in by the Election Act, which introduces the requirement to show photo ID in a polling station and to also make polling stations more accessible for people with disabilities. So to vote in a polling station, you will now need to bring an acceptable form of ID, such as a passport or driving licence. If you do not have an acceptable form of ID, you can apply for a free voter ID document known as a voter authority certificate. If you need assistance applying for a voter authority certificate in person, there are daily drop-in sessions taking place at Wolverhampton Civic Centre between 10am and 3pm on weekdays. And a full list of acceptable ID and further information about applying for a voter authority certificate can be found on our website at www.wolverhampton.gov.uk forward slash elections. If you choose to vote in person at the polling station, there's a range of support available to you. All of the key signage in the polling station will now be printed on a yellow background, black text to make it more accessible. The slot on the ballot paper will have white stickers around it to make it more visible. 
You can also request additional lighting from powering staff. If you have difficulty completing the standard print ballot paper, you can request the use of a tactile vouting device to help mark your vote in the correct place. The tactile vouting device has a sticky backing, which attaches on the top of your ballot paper. It has numbered lift-up flaps directly over the boxes where you mark your vote. The numbers are raised and in braille. You can request the use of a large print ballot form from the polling station as a guide to follow or ask someone to read out the lists of candidates to you. This can be a companion or polling station staff. The candidates are in alphabetical order. You will need to remember the number of the candidate you wish to vote for. Then lift the flap with the same number and mark your cross in the box. You can then detach the tactile device and fold your ballot paper in half before posting it in the ballot box. Seeing AI apps or video magnifying glasses can also be used in polling stations as a reasonable adjustment in the Equality Act. Please inform the presiding officer in the polling station if you will be using these before you go to the polling booth. We will be training all of our polling station staff on these apps so that they are fully informed on how best to support you in the polling station. If you would prefer to bring a companion with you to assist in voting, as opposed to receiving assistance from a member of staff at the polling station, this is also possible. Your companion must either be a close relative who is aged 18 years or over, or a qualified elector. The voter should ask the permission of the presiding officer to be assisted by their companion. The companion, not the voter, is required by law to complete a simple declaration called declaration to be made by the companion of a voter with disabilities. The companion should fill out the declaration and sign the document. If requested, polling staff can also assist you with marking your ballot paper. Now going to finally move on to cover some key dates for this election. So firstly, if you are not already registered to vote, the easiest way to register to vote is online at gov.uk forward slash register to vote. Or if you live in Wolverhampton, you can call our office and register over the phone on 01902 There are a number of ways to have your say. You can vote in the polling station by post or by appointing somebody you trust to vote on your behalf known as a proxy vote. The deadline to vote by proxy is Tuesday the 25th of April at 5pm. To download the forms to vote by proxy, please visit our website, wolverhampton.gov.uk forward slash elections. Alternatively, you can contact us to request a form be posted out to you on 01902 or you can email us at electoral.services at wolverhampton.gov.uk. If you are unable to make your signature on the postal vote application form due to a disability, then you can contact us to request a signature waiver. And finally, you can find out more about all of this on our website at wolverhampton.gov.uk forward slash elections. Thank you. Up next, we hear from Helen, who of course has for us the Beacon Update. Hi everyone, it's Helen from Beacon, back with your regular update first this week. Do you want to join us for a really good time? Hope you like the pun. Yeah, our fishing sessions with our friends at All Brighton Moat are back. We'll be casting off next month. If you'd like to join us, call 01902 880 111 or visit our website www.beaconvision.org forward slash what hyphen on hyphen may hyphen 2023. Now, did somebody say discount? To celebrate the double, yeah, that's right, double bank holiday weekends, we've got a discount code for anyone wanting to sign up to our 5k family fun colour run at Wolverhampton's East Park on May the 14th. Just use the code 
bankholes, that's B-A-N-K-H-O-L-S, and receive £1 off a standard adult or child ticket. Booking fee still applies. Don't miss out. Get your ticket now. It's www.beaconvision.org forward slash colour hyphen run. And that offer ends on Tuesday, May the 9th. Now, last this week, I have got some sad news for you, unfortunately. Tributes have been paid to a vice president of the JW Hunt Cup who has sadly passed away. Over the years, the JW Hunt Cup has had many loyal and generous committee members and none more so, say the organisers, than man Mohan Singh Maheru, who died on April the 23rd. Known affectionately as Mohan, he was on the committee of a football competition whose entire proceeds go to the Beacon Centre for the Blind and partially sighted. He was a wonderful, kind and compassionate man who made a huge impact on his community, said Lisa Cowley, the Beacon Centre's chief executive. Mohan was proud to be a member of our committee and believed in the cause and the Beacon Centre, said Alex Hamill, the JW Hunt Cup president. He always said that the committee was special people. He didn't miss many meetings and was happy to pay for medals and sponsor many other things for us over the years, he added. A proud Sikh, Mohan came a successful businessman, though he started work as a teacher when he first arrived in Britain. Born in 1941, he came to England in 1965. He decided teaching was not for him and he became a metal polisher at Marshalls in Claregate, Wolverhampton. Mohan started his own business, the Merrydale Polishing Company, and built it up, expanding its activities. Eventually, he had a factory in Bilston and another in Wensbury. In 2012, Mohan became a published author with his book, Opportunity and Culture, Four Decades in England. In the book, Mohan said the letter he received informing him he'd be allowed to work in England proved to be a turning point. He wrote, it opened the door to a new life in a new country and enabled me to achieve a measure of success in business of which I am proud. Well, what a remarkable life. I'll be back next week with another update. Cheers that update, Helen. Up now, we're our next block of local news. And starting this one off, we first hear Christine. The coronation of King Charles will be an occasion to bring the country together. The coronation of King Charles III will be broadcast with live accessible commentary on the red button on BBC One and live audio description on ITV One on Saturday 6th of May. How to watch BBC One. The event will be broadcast live on BBC One and blind and partially sighted people will be able to join in through a synchronised accessible commentary on the BBC red button or catch up on iPlayer. This type of accessible commentary is different to audio description. Whilst audio description has traditionally been pre-recorded and mixed into the main audio after filming, this accessible commentary will be transmitted live as the event happens. ITV1 The coronation will be broadcast with live audio description on ITV1. This will be the very first broadcast on UK TV with live audio description, so a moment in itself to celebrate. Viewers will be able to switch the audio description on in the usual way by pressing the AD stroke audio description button on the remote control. This is the very first time that a live programme on UK TV will be made accessible for viewers with sight loss. ITV and BBC are using pioneering methods to deliver live AD, which could become blueprints for future events. People with sight loss can treasure memories of the coronation forever with a Braille souvenir programme. 
Blind and partially sighted people will be able to remember the coronation of His Majesty King Charles III forever thanks to a beautiful braille, audio and large print coronation program created by the Royal National Institute of Blind People, RNIB. RNIB News Agent has produced a special commemorative guide to celebrate the historic occasion on Saturday, the 6th of May, when Her Majesty Camilla, the Queen Consort, will also be crowned. The coronation takes place at Westminster Abbey and will be followed by a weekend of special events. The guide takes you through all the long-standing traditions and pageantry of the coronation ceremony itself, and as their majesties want to encourage people to mark the occasion with friends, families and their communities, it has also information on how you can enjoy events such as the coronation big lunches and the big help out. The commemorative guide also takes a look back at the lives of King Charles III and Camilla, the Queen Consort, as well as reflecting on the coronation of Her Late Majesty Queen Elizabeth II 70 years ago, for which the RNIB also produced a special Braille coronation programme. Rachel Jarvis, senior editor at RNIB Newsagent, said, RNIB Newsagent is delighted to provide a coronation programme in accessible formats, so that everyone can be involved and follow the events of such a historic occasion. The coronation of His Majesty King Charles III and Her Majesty the Queen Consort is available in Braille, Human Voice, Daisy Auto and 16-point large print. It is available to order via the RNIB helpline on 0303 123 and online at www.rnib.org.uk, priced at £3.50. We hope that everyone gets to enjoy this very special occasion together. Libraries across the Dudley Borough will be handing out a free packet of flower seeds with every book to celebrate the coronation of King Charles III. Starting from Saturday, May the 6th, the date of the King and Queen Consort's coronation, borrowers will receive a free packet of seeds while stocks last when they take out a book, CD or DVD at any of the borough's 13 libraries. The packet of seeds has been specially put together for the coronation and will produce seven vibrant species of flowers, including a cornflower, a chrysanthemum and pink and yellow cosmos. The free gift is a tribute to King Charles's fondness for botany and environmental causes. Stephanie Roden, Partnership Manager for Dudley Libraries, said King Charles and Queen Camilla are both avid readers with a real passion for the natural world. So we thought giving out free flower seeds to each borrower at our borough libraries would be the perfect coronation tribute. A free augmented reality story trail has been set up to help families celebrate the coronation and enjoy a day out. As part of Enjoy Wolverhampton's celebration for King Charles III's coronation, the group has teamed up with digital experience company High Street Safari to run a free family trail in the Bell Square area. In the innovative experience, the Animal Kingdom is having a coronation of its own and who else would be crowned king but Sir Lawrence the Lion? Families get to meet 10 of the king's best friends on the trail and see what they each suggest he wears for the coronation. As players scan QR codes at each stop, they get to do mini challenges, see the suggested item and try it on themselves in the selfie studio. 
When players have met them all, they get to see the fully prepared king in augmented reality and download a free ebook of the story's conclusion. The idea behind the event is to encourage families to come into the city centre, especially the Victoria, Worcester, Skinner and Salop Street areas, with a free, exciting event that gets kids out and exercising without even realising it. Shopping parents will love being able to get the kids on board, and families looking for a relaxing day out can encourage kids to have a screen time break and get rewarded at the end. The King's Wardrobe Trail is located at 10 stops. They are positioned so that families can rediscover parts of the city centre affected by recent public realm upgrade works. The trail only takes about 25 minutes to complete, but can be completed in more than one visit and is completely free for families and groups to take part in. The unique technology used on the trail means that families don't need to download an app or sign up to anything. The trail runs until Sunday, June the 4th. To find out more about the trail, go to thyg.uk forward slash CQJ089543. Now it's time to test your knowledge as we have the quiz questions for this edition, and they're brought to us by Mina. Hello, and welcome to this week's Star Wars themed flashback quiz. All the answers you need can be found later in Flashback Rogers' Did You Know feature. But for now, Here are your questions. Are you ready? Question 1. When was the first Star Wars film released? Question 2. Was Yoda a true Muppet? Question 3. How was Chewbacca's voice created? Question 4. How much did the first Star Wars film earn? Question 5. How long did it take to make the first Star Wars film? And finally, question six. Which two film studios were used to make Star Wars? As always, I'll be back to reveal the answers later in the show. But for now, good luck. Cheers for those questions, Mina. I'll get my mind working on those. Up now, however, it's another block of local news. A family-run gin shop has created a special coronation spirit to mark the historic occasion, and a bottle is on its way to Buckingham Palace. Moonshine and Fuggles in Ironbridge, which is run by Derek Bowen, has come up with a limited edition King's Coronation Gin. Limited to 74 bottles, one for each year of King Charles III's life, Mr Bowen said the first bottle is going to the King as a gift to mark his coronation. He also recalled how he once ran literally, into the future monarch as a child. It is not the first time Moonshine and Fuggles have produced a regal spirit, having prepared a special gin to mark the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, which was also sent to Buckingham Palace. Mr Bowen said he had even been told that particular tipple had been seen on the bar in the royal household at Windsor by a member of the royal staff who had visited the shop. The latest gin, which was distilled in Briley Hill at the West Midlands Distillery, is described as an old-school dry gin, with a double helping of juniper and a host of botanicals to reflect the king's own well-known passion for nature. Mr Bowen said that two of the botanicals had actually come from Ironbridge, cherry blossom and alpine flowers. 
Money from the Jubilee Gin paid for a special tree to be planted in Dale End Park in Ironbridge to mark the occasion, and the latest gin will do the same, to allow for a tree in tribute to the new king. Mr Bowen said he hoped King Charles III would enjoy the drink, and also revealed he had even bumped into the future monarch as a child in the 1970s. The chance occurrence came as the then prince was visiting the county and Mr Bowen was a young cub, ready to greet him with the rest of the scout troop. He said, I am nearly 60 years of age, but when I was 11, when Prince Charles visited Ironbridge back in 1970, I was down there waving my flag as a cub scout. But before I was doing my paper round, I put on my cub uniform, ran down Maidley Bank, and as I ran round the corner, I ran straight into Prince Charles and fell over. He picked me up, put my hat back on my head and put me back in line. Stafford and Independent Wolverhampton Taylor say they felt honoured after a member of the King's Guard requested his uniform be fitted by the shop in the run-up to next weekend's coronation. Tetanol Taylors on High Street Tetanol has been working non-stop to tailor the uniform for a loved customer. Soldiers of the King's Guard will be featured in the Royal Procession among members of other branches of the armed forces. Shop owner Gorinda Dillon said, We do tailor for most things, but we really didn't expect a customer to come in with a royal dress uniform. We were really surprised, but we wanted to do our best. The customer, who didn't want to be named, visited for adjustments and to get the ceremonial outfits insignias attached, placing special care on the placements of chevrons and other insignia to stick within regulations, giving the tailor shop only a week to modify the uniform. It was such an honour to do something like this. We really treat every article of clothing that comes in here with respect, but this was such an honour. The whole team worked on this piece, and honestly, it was such an honour to be working with something so important. The King's Guard uniform features a neck-high black tunic, chainmail shoulder guards and gold leg stripe. The uniform is commonly used for ceremonial occasions such as parades and state funerals as well as public duties around the royal residences. Mr Dillon continued, As a team, it was an honour working on a uniform with such a long history behind it. We wanted to give it the respect it deserved and the customer seemed very happy with the results. We really do have an amazing team here. We treat every item that comes in with respect and give it the attention it deserves and hopefully... That shows in our work. The public are being invited to join in the fun of the coronation at the Black Country Living Museum. The museum is putting on a host of activities over the bank holiday weekend, providing a chance for people to go back in time and look at royal celebrations from across the last 200 years. With events running from Saturday, May the 6th to Monday, May the 8th, it will be an opportunity to discover how people across the black country celebrated the United Kingdom's kings and queens, see the royal souvenirs that were made here in the black country, and discover the truth about King Edward VIII, the king who never had a coronation. Those visiting will be able to head into the Canal Side Village to explore period houses and shops, meet historic characters, including Mr Singh, the pub landlady and the Bossy Street party organiser, who need help setting up for the celebrations and join in the street parties. A spokesperson for the museum said, Make sure to come dressed for the occasion. 
Why don't you dig out your fancy dress costume, wear red, white or blue, or even dress in your finest for a royal bash. Grab a bag of the museum's famously Boston fish and chips and sit down to enjoy the jubilant atmosphere with a good old-fashioned sing-along at the museum's village street party. There will be a range of traditional street games and races and a chance to go home with paper souvenirs and loaves of bread from the village baker. For more information or to book online, go to bclm.com. It will be a royal weekend for two black country charity leaders who have accepted invitations to attend the coronation of King Charles III. Kim Hatton and Claire McKen from Wolverhampton-based children's charity Let Us Play will take their seats in Westminster Abbey alongside royals, world leaders and other dignitaries for the coronation on Saturday, May 6th. The pair, who help provide between 300 and 400 sessions per year of craft, leisure and sport activities for children with special educational needs and disabilities, SEND, were both sent invitations over email about the coronation, with Kim saying that she had wondered if it was a scam until news came that Claire had also received it. She said, What happened was that they invite you and you have to accept first before you get the official invitation sent over, which kind of came out of the blue on email and which initially I was thinking might be junk, mostly because you get so many spoof emails. However, I checked with Claire and she told me she'd had the same email come through. So we checked it and saw it had come from a gov.uk email address. So realised it was the real thing. We then did a lot of correspondence going backwards and forwards and eventually we got the really nice invitations in the post last week. Ms Hatton said the feelings were of excitement and also wonderment about why they had been picked to go and spoke about how she was looking forward to the event. She said, we're going down the day before as you need to be at the Abbey for 9am on the day. So rather than rush down, we're going to have a nice night in London and soak in the atmosphere, then get there for the coronation nice and early. I'm going to be sat there watching royals and politicians and everyone and I'll be sat there trying to work out who everyone is. I've had the most amazing reaction as well, with even my dentist talking about it. It's a a once-in-a-lifetime thing, so we're both going to just soak it up and enjoy it. More local news to follow, but now Pete's got a few ideas on how to help with living with sight loss. Beacon are having a low vision sale day on Tuesday the 23rd of May. We'll have lighting, magnifiers, filter glasses, clocks, TV glasses, all sorts of low vision equipment on sale from old stock and donated items. So, if you'd like to grab yourself a bit of a bargain with some low vision equipment that may be able to help you in everyday life, why not pop down to our low vision centre here at the Beacon Centre on Tuesday the 23rd of May between 10am and 2pm for our low vision equipment sale. As we prepare to celebrate the King's coronation, people from around the West Midlands share memories of Queen Elizabeth II's historic moment in 1953. Anita Lonsborough, 82, of Tettenhall. Olympic and Commonwealth swimming gold medalist Anita was 11 years old and living in Harrogate in North Yorkshire at the time, where her father was in the army. 
She spoke of not remembering a lot about the service itself, but remembered more about the events of the day where she lived. She said, We lived in Petticoat Lane, which was just outside Harrogate, as my father was still in the army, and we were living near where he was based, so we would have been either watching or listening to the coronation there. I don't remember much of the service and what happened there, but I know there were celebrations at the army camp. I can also remember the party at the army camp, which had a fancy dress competition and a full sports day for kids and adults. Joan Tolley, 77, of Penn, Wolverhampton. Joan was a seven-year-old living in Darleston at the time of the coronation. She spoke about a real family event, sitting on the floor cross-legged with her cousins and watching the coronation on television. Joan Tolley said she remembered it being a day for family. She said, it was the first time we'd ever watched television and there were all of us children sat cross-legged on the floor in what was a terraced house and full of people. I can remember seeing the Queen coming down the aisle on television and remember the occasion because of being sat with my cousins and having a real family event. I can't remember what food we had at the time, but I always remember having a little teaspoon with a coat of arms on the top. There are bits and pieces of the service I remember, but the best bits were sitting with my cousins and my family and having a real sense of being together. Douglas Southall, 80, from Kings Winford. Jelly and Blamange was a highlight of the Queen's coronation for 10-year-old Douglas Southall. The great British weather meant the street party planned for the residents of Hall Street, now Halton Street, St Thomas Street, Sims Lane, Brewery Street and Cinder Bank took place in Netherton Conservative Club. The roads were crisscrossed with patriotic red, white and blue bunting which had been created inside the Southall home. He said, It was all hands to the pump in our house as my mother was a seamstress and made all the bunting for the street. However, the party was held inside of the Conservative Club due to the weather. There was a lot of fun and games and music. I remember the jelly and blancmange which us children were allowed. He added, The photos really bring the day back and it's nice seeing so many children who I grew up with. However, sadly, a lot of them are not around anymore. I will certainly be watching the coronation. Alan Taylor, 88, of Hales Owen. Hales Owen South Councillor Alan Taylor, who was Dudley Mayor in 2019, remembers watching the Queen's coronation on television. The 88-year-old, who is one of the country's oldest councillors, said the event was one the whole family sat round and watched. He said, It was such a national event, such a big moment in our country's history. If you were lucky enough to have a television, then the whole family would have watched it. We had a television and I remember seeing pictures of the Queen on the screen. I don't remember that much about the day. I've had a lot of birthdays since then. He added, but as a family, we all watched it together. I'm glad we had a television. I'm sure a lot didn't in those times. The week of Charles's coronation will be one to remember for Councillor Taylor as he is standing again in the local elections for the Conservative Party in Helzo in South. He said, I will certainly be watching the coronation on television with my family on the day. Pauline Preedy, 84, of Merrydale. Pauline was a teenager at the time of the coronation, living in the Moseley area of Wolverhampton. She said for her, it was a very quiet day as after being let down by a friend, she didn't feel like doing much on the day. 
She said my friend was supposed to meet me in town, but she let me down, and I didn't really feel like going anywhere after that. I'm sure there were street parties going on, but I don't remember anything around my house on Dean's Road at the time. Plus, we hadn't even got a television by that point. It was still nice to hear about it and see the photos from the coronation, and I do think that it all seemed grander and bigger back then compared to today. People felt the royal family was a lot more important back then, and there was a lot more pageantry. Hugh Porter, 83, of Tettenhall. Future world champion cyclist and broadcaster Hugh Porter was a 13-year-old schoolboy living in Parkfields in Wolverhampton during the coronation. He said he and his cousin had been talking about the coronation recently and both had remembered being in the same place at the time. He said, Joan and I remember both her coming down with her mum and dad to our house in Parkfields and watching the coronation on a little black and white television with me, my parents and my sister. We both also remember a bit in the service where the narrator said something about how the Queen was going to be anointed with some sort of special oil and how we weren't going to see that on television. It was a great occasion though and I always remember being there with my family and wondering what the special oil was and what was happening with that. Joan Carter, 78, of Bradmore, Wolverhampton. Joan was an eight-year-old schoolgirl living on Cherry Street when Elizabeth's coronation was taking place. She said she remembered having a television for the first time in the house and having a big party in a local school. Joan Carter said the family had bought a television set for the first time. She said, I remember sitting there watching the small screen of the television and seeing it all happen in black and white with the jewels and the crown and all the pageantry. We also had a party, not a street party, but a big party at a local school. And I remember we were all given a free mug at the party, which I kept for a long time, but which I think has either been broken or got lost. It all seemed very grand back then, and I think it was really worth seeing on television and being with my family. Sheila Price, 80, and Anthony Price, 84, of Dudley. Sheila and Anthony Price both celebrated the Queen's coronation in 1953 with a street party. Sheila Price was a 10-year-old schoolgirl when Elizabeth II's coronation was held. She remembers it quite well and celebrated the day with a street party and costume competition. She said, We saw it on the television when she was crowned. She was absolutely marvellous. She was such a lovely lady and it was a lovely event. A couple who lived in the street dressed up as king and queen. We were only talking about it the other week. I remember it quite well. We had a tea party and a party in the street. We enjoyed it. I was living not far from the street we live on now, just a couple of yards away. It was a really lovely day. Anthony Price was 14 years old and living in Rowley Regis when Queen Elizabeth II was crowned at her coronation. He celebrated the day with a street party on the Brickhouse Farm Estate where he lived at the time. He said, we had a big street party up there. We watched it on the television as well. I still remember it well. She was a lovely lady, the Queen. Philip was always by her side or just behind her. They both had a good life. If I remember rightly, we all had a coronation coin, but whatever happened to them, I do not know. All the kids had one and there was a lot of kids. There were big families then. Up now, it's trivia time. Brought to us by Flashback Roger and his Did You Know feature.
on this Star Wars day or as they say in the films may the fourth go with you sorry about that very old joke but it does lead me on nicely to say now did you know that <coughs> Star Wars was released in 1977 the film was originally to be titled The Adventures of Luke Starkiller as taken from the Journal of the Wills Saga 1 The Star Wars during production, however, the writer George Lucas changed Luke's name to Skywalker and altered the title to just Star Wars and finally just to Star Wars. And contrary to popular belief, and it was the subject of much controversy, the character of Yoda is not a Muppet. Legendary Muppeteer Frank Oz voiced Yoda and Jim Henson oversaw his creation, but he was built by a member of the Lucasfilm and not by the Muppet team so don't expect to see him at Kermit's holiday party. The sound of a TIE fighter engine was created by combining an elephant's bellow and a car driving on wet pavement. Chewbacca's voice is a mix of bears, walruses and lions, badgers and other animals. And the noise a lightsaber makes is created by combining the hum of an old television picture tube and the buzz of a film projector's motor. In 1977, Star Wars box office grossed over $196 million. Since then, the whole Star Wars films have earned over $2 billion, making it the biggest earning franchise in the world. Star Wars films were made in Pinewood Studios, situated in Iver Heath in Buckinghamshire, approximately 20 miles west of central London. It has served as a production facility for every Star Wars film made since the 2012 acquisition of Lucasfilm Limited by the Walt Disney Company. But before that, Elstree Studios were its home. Star Wars is in production for four years, with scenes shot in Tunisia and Death Valley, California, and on sound stages in England. When it was released on May the 25th in 1977, Star Wars, later retitled Star Wars Episode 4 A New Hope, although its popularity was predicted to be poor to average, it met with runaway and resounding success. And if you'd like to search Wikipedia for information and you're a real hardened Star Wars fan, then there is a website called Wikipedia, packed with all sorts of details about the films. In fact, there is more information that you could shake a lightsaber at. So I hope you found this lot entertaining this week. It was a little bit different from the usual topics, I know, but I do hope you enjoyed it. In your road up, as Yoda might say, off to search the galaxy I am for next week's issue. So I'll say bye for now. Ta-ra a bit. Ta-ra! Up now, we have to hear what the weather has in store for us. Brought to us, as always, by Mina. The weather for this week ahead is forecast to be rather unsettled with some sunny intervals but plenty of showers. Temperatures are also forecast to be around average for this time of year at 16 degrees. UV levels are expected to fluctuate between low and medium as we go through the week and see longer spells of sunshine. The sunrise and sunset times are 5.20am for the sunrise and 8.50pm for the sunset. For Friday 5th of May is forecast to be wet with a small chance of sunshine breaking through the thick cloud. With a gentle breeze, temperatures are expected to hold up well at 16 degrees. 
The spell of rain looks set to remain with us throughout the weekend, but I'm sure a traditional bank holiday washout won't put a dampener on any planned coronation celebrations. With just a gentle breeze and some sunny spells about, temperatures over the weekend may find a way to remain somewhere around 16 degrees. On to next week and the unsettled weather will continue to dominate with plenty of sharp showers still welcoming in the month of May. It is forecast for rain to remain in the region from Monday 8th of May and continue right through to Thursday 11th of May. With just a gentle breeze expected temperatures should continue to hover around 16 degrees. The showers are forecast to be persistent all week but should ease off at times with a chance of some brief sunny intervals breaking through. All in all, it looks like our bodies will be kept busy this week. So that's your forecast for the week. Have a lovely long weekend and as always, enjoy the weather. Cheers for that weather update Mina. Up now. It's time to find out how our local football teams have been getting on. With the sun shining down beside the south coast seaside, you'd be forgiven for thinking there were beach balls bouncing and John Glover Kind's lyrics on loop. Unfortunately for the Wolves' faithful concerned, this was no time to be on the beach, as the Old Gold suffered their heaviest ever Premier League defeat after an embarrassing display against Europe-chasing Brighton. It took just six minutes for the hosts to go ahead. The first half rout then ensued. A disorganised and disjointed Wolves, relentless attacking football from the Albion, Brighton and Hove, and a world-class volley to boot made it 4-0 before half-time. The Seagulls were aggressive, quite literally, as whilst the game was momentarily halted before half-time, a local gull swooped in from afar to bombard the beleaguered wolves yet further. Changes were made at half-time, but they were immediately rendered useless, as just three minutes in, the hosts made it 5-0 with consummate ease. Condemned to such a painful defeat, some supporters in the away end left before full-time, as the catalogue of errors from Wolves became a box-set series, with another comical moment allowing Brighton to make it 6-0. Insert Keystone Cops theme music about here. In the post-match presser, Julen Lopetegui spoke sincerely to the Travelling Wolves fans that had made the long journey. I apologise to the fans because they come here and it's a bad day for them, he said. We play for them and we are very sad. But in the same way, it's important to remember four months ago and now at least we have the possibility to be out of relegation. That is a very big aim for us. In another remarkable round of Premier League matches, results were favourable for Wolves as they remain seven points clear of relegation with four games to go. For Albion, results were not so kind as despite showing great resolve to rally from behind for consecutive weeks to win 2-1 at home to Norwich, the Baggies remain two points outside of the playoff positions with just the fun and frolics of the final weekend to go. Although all hope to make the playoffs is not lost, it would take a most unlikely permutation of results for Albion to sneak through the back door should they overcome Swansea down on the South Wales coast on Monday. Saturday's points were seen out professionally and comfortably and there was even time for an emotional Jake Livermore cameo from the bench after confirmation of his summer exit. At the final whistle, Corberan and his troops took the acclaim of the fans inside the stadium, in a lap of appreciation at full time. 
with Connor Townsend's wonderful free kick and Jed Wallace's winner, meaning they signed off at the Hawthorns with yet another victory. After the game, the head coach spoke passionately about his players, praising them for their heart, not just for the big response against Norwich, but recognising their efforts throughout the course of the season. With both sets of Black Country fans currently wondering what might have been, or what might still be, in the context of Albion and Wolves both lying rock bottom at the start of Carlos Corberan and Julen Lopetegui's tenure respectively. The position both clubs currently find themselves in are impressive achievements of note. Have you done any good at the quiz this week? Well, now's the time to find out, as we have the quiz answers. Hello, and here are your answers for this week's flashback quiz. Are you ready? Question 1. When was the first Star Wars film released? And the answer here is 1977. Question 2. Was Yoda a true Muppet? And the answer, no. Question 3. How was Chewbacca's voice created? And the answer here is, it was a mix of animal voices. Question 4. How much did the first Star Wars film earn? And the answer here is, over $196 million. Question 5. How long did it take to make the first Star Wars film? And the answer here is, of course, four years. And finally, question 6. Which two film studios were used to make Star Wars? And the answer here is, Elastry and Pinewood. How did you do? Did you get them all right? If not, not to worry, as I will be back next week to test you once again. Bye for now. Time now for our latest edition of Sight Loss Tips, provided by the charity InfoSound. For further details on any of the items and practical information in this bulletin, you can also contact Beacon's team of Sight Loss Advisors on 01902 880 and that number again... 01902-880-111. TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. News and information about living with sight loss. From InfoSound. Hello and welcome to InfoShorts from InfoSound, a brief weekly bulletin of news, advice and practical information to help living with sight loss. And in this edition, the voice-controlled speech radio mobile phone app, installing tactile paving on all rail platforms in Britain, advice about avoiding glare and a kettle tipper for safer pouring. To get started, single tap. Then double tap and give your voice command for full instructions. Just say help. That's the free British Wireless for the Blind Fund speech radio mobile phone app, which allows the user to control which radio stations they listen to entirely by voice. BBC Radio 2. Playing BBC Tom Radio is 2. going to reveal all straight after Dua Lipa. There oh. you go. Did a full 180. Classic FM. One Classic FM, England. Two Classic FM, Czech Republic. 
Once you've downloaded and installed the app on your Android or Apple smartphone, you'll have access to more than 10,000 radio stations. And when users don't want to control all of the features and functions within the app with their voice, they can simply say speech off and the device's standard built-in talkback system will take over. It can also be controlled in part with hand gestures if you don't want to use your voice at all. It's being improved all the time. For example, it's planned that you'll be able to choose a radio station by the kind of thing you want to listen to, like cricket or New York News, for example, and the app will then give you a list of relevant stations that are covering those subjects. As mentioned, you can get the free British Wireless Speech Radio app at the Apple Store and from Android Play. And if you'd like to know any more, British Wireless can be phoned on 01622 754 757. That's 01622 754 757. InfoSound. And next up, a bit of good news. It's recently been announced that Network Rail has pledged to install tactile paving on all rail platforms in Great Britain by 2025. This news follows RNIB's Rail Safe campaign following the tragic death of Cleveland Gervais, a partially sighted man who fell from a platform without tactile paving in 2020. Marking the third anniversary of Cleveland's death, Network Rail has promised to speed up the installation of tactile paving as it now has the funding to complete installation four years ahead of schedule because of, reports RNIB, further government funding. If you haven't come across tactile markings on stations yet yourself, it comprises a 400mm strip of bubbled concrete slabs, much like you find on pavements, along the entire length of the platform between 500 and 700mm back from the edge of the platform, the edge itself being painted with a white line. This layout assumes that people will take a step back when the surface is detected underfoot to make sure they stand well away from the platform edge. If you ever find yourself in any railway station environment and you're unsure of where you are or where you should go, especially where safety is concerned, all rail operators urge you to ask for help, as their staff should be trained to assist. InfoSound Now, this week's advice slot is weather-based, I guess. As we're now officially in spring, it's good to experience a bit of slightly warmer sunshine if you're lucky. But in fact, sunshine's not always a positive for some partially sighted people because of the glare that can go with it for those with some eye conditions. And Anita Plant, joining us from the Partially Sighted Society, this must be something that you come across as a low vision advisor and rehabilitation officer quite a lot, as the sun, as I was saying, isn't always good news. No, especially if you are partially sighted. This time of year it can be quite low and that causes quite a lot of discomfort glare. And glare meaning that everything is sort of overloading the eye, is that what's happening? Yes, yeah, it's sort of everything feels a bit too bright, a bit too uncomfortable and that will also have the feeling of reducing the vision. So several tips for that. One of them is to wear a cap or a peak cap and that cuts out the glare coming into the top of the eye. And then the wraparound sunglasses. We like the wraparound sunglasses because it does cut out the glare from the top and from the sides. And if you have a spectacle prescription, they can be worn over the glasses. And these glasses, they go right around the side of the eye as well. I've seen them in different colours. Is the colour an important thing to think about? It is, but it's subjective. 
what I would advise and what we always say to people who phone us asking for the coloured filter fit over glasses is to try them and see because it's what works for you and what is comfortable for you and your eyes. So it's always a good idea to try first unless you know, of course, which colour is that you are comfortable with. And for obvious reasons, with the sun hopefully appearing and, as you say, being low in the sky, we're talking about outdoors. These certainly have their uses, these wraparound shades. What about indoor use as well? Do you use the same ones indoors or does that need a complete rethink? I think most people would find the ones that they use outdoors are a little too dark indoors. It depends on your eye condition, of course. Sometimes people find the yellow filters are really useful for indoors, especially if you've got cataracts because they have the effect of decreasing the glare and increasing the contrast. But again, you'd need to try them first. That seems to be the message. Try first. And where does one find these? In resource centres locally? Yep, most of your local resource centres should have a selection of colours and frames, different frames and styles for you to try. And they are available from us as well at the Parsi Sighted Society. Super. Thanks very much, Anita. Thank you. InfoSound. And we finish this time with what I guess could be called a kitchen safety device. It's a kettle tipper sold by Cobalt Systems. Various designs of these can also be found online and in some ironmonger stores. Cobalt's is basically a round metal frame into which you strap a kettle and the frame can be tilted so you can pour the hot water into a cup or mug placed below the kettle spout in a controlled way. The thinking is that the weight of a kettle full of hot water doesn't have to be supported by the user, just tilted when needed. The frame has an adjustable secure strap, which allows the tipper to be used with a wide range of kettles and jugs. Cobalt suggests it could work well with their own talking measuring jug, but this tipper is not supplied with any kettle or jug. And so that's it for this week's edition of the Info Shorts Bulletin from InfoSound. We hope you can join us next time and thanks very much for listening. News and information about living with sight loss from InfoSound. TNF Soundings. It's spring and that means it's daffodil time. So here's William Wordsworth's much-loved poem about the daffodils, also known as I Wandered Lonely as a Cloud. TNF Soundings Features from across the UK Hello, this is Alan and it's daffodil time. So here is William Wordsworth's poem about the daffodils. I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on high o'er vales and hills, when all at once I saw a crowd, a host of golden daffodils, beside the lake, beneath the trees, fluttering and dancing in the breeze, continuous as the stars that shine and twinkle on the Milky Way, they stretched in never-ending line along the margin of a bay. Ten thousand saw I at a glance, tossing their heads in sprightly dance. The waves beside them danced, but they outdid the sparkling waves in glee. A poet could not but be gay in such a jocund company. I gazed and gazed, but little thought what wealth the show to me had brought. 
For oft, when on my couch I lie in vacant or in pensive mood, they flash upon that inward eye which is the bliss of solitude, and then my heart with pleasure fills and dances with the daffodils. TNS Soundings. So that's it for another edition of the Black Country Talking News. A reminder to our CD listeners who have received CDs in padded envelopes that you don't need to send anything back to us. If you have a sight loss tip or someone you would like to wish a happy birthday to, just say hello to. Maybe even a poem or talking book you would like reviewed, then please get in touch with us at the Beacon Centre. Call 01902 880 Email bctn at beaconvision.org or write to us at the Black Country Talking News, Beacon, Wolverhampton Road East, Wolverhampton, WV46AZ. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening and thank you to all our supporters, donators and volunteers who without their support will be unable to run this free service. Please note the information and views expressed in this recording does not necessarily represent the views of Beacon or Talking News and were accurate at the time of recording. Mentions of goods and services does not imply endorsement and whilst every care is taken to supply accurate information, Beacon and Talking News do not undertake liability for any errors. So it's goodbye from all of us, stay safe, have a good week and we look forward to bringing you next week's edition of the Black Country Talking News. Ta-ra!